Welcome to your headquarters for knowledge and helpful advice on a variety of topics, all from trusted experts in their fields. It's time for River City Podcast. talking about tools for change with Toby Vernon. Toby serves as the executive director at Richmond Tool Bank, where he weaves elements of his training in environmental science, urban planning, and community design into his nonprofit management practice. For nearly 15 years, Toby has helped shape Richmond communities and landscapes through an environment-centered design approach to placemaking and land management. When he's not at work evangelizing for Toolbank's mission, Toby's usually taking on an outdoor adventure, cooking something he's grown, or learning a new skill that reminds him he definitely doesn't know it all. Right now, it's a slow uptake in the piano, by the way. So I want to welcome Toby to River City Podcasts. I know that the Richmond Toolbank lends tools and equipment, um, and that's for community-based organizations and volunteers, but... Tell us more about the lending program and how it works. Well, the lending program really, uh, the tool lending program at Toolbank really fills this huge gap that existed before Toolbank came to came to Richmond, where volunteers from any part of the city, whether they were corporate or individuals, had this experience where there is a drive and a passion to do community work, um, but a lack of physical tools, and so. You'd have corporations, you know, um, spending a few thousand dollars on essentially disposable tools to go and clean the canal walk or plant community garden, build community gardens or you name it and um, and leave those tools with a nonprofit or volunteer group that was chosen as the beneficiary. And then that group then is saddled with these tools without necessarily a place to store them Um you know, really even a need for them every day of the week or even monthly. And when you scale that out to, um, you know, the, the, the total, the totality of volunteerism in the city, you end up with a lot of a disposable tools, B community volunteers that are trying to cobble together their own resources. Um, and it ends up being a real, a real burden to, to folks. And then C this, gap ends up being a real problem for sustained volunteerism for folks who want to steward a public space or, you know, um, serve a nonprofit cause. So that's what to- where the tool lending program fits in the city is, you know, we provide the physical tools um, and we allay individuals and organizations the burden of paying for them or owning them outright having to figure out really what tools they need for the project that they're going to do and um, what the heck to do with them after they're done on that single project. So they get to think more about future projects and how to get this one project done today than how to manage a whole inventory of resources that they need sporadically. It's genius. It's actually really genius. And then I would imagine the money that they save and not having to buy new tools for one project they can put into the organization they're helping or whatever they might need. That's right. So, so the, the the whole power of the tool bank um, as a nonprofit tool lending service is to save organizations and individuals, the cost, um, the foregone cost of buying bar buying, owning, repairing, replacing, maintaining tools, and, and inve- reinvesting that savings back into their mission. 
So our, our mission, Toolbank's mission, is to serve community. We serve community-based organizations by providing the, the tools, equipment, and expertise they need. Um, and that must, the, the last part is to empower their most ambitious goals. And so we really, you know, I, I think we live every aspect of that mission statement. You know, we have a ton of tools and equipment. Our expertise is in project management and scoping and, and helping people make the connections and, and do the best they have with what they've got and to maybe even get more. And then we help them think more ambitiously and aspirationally about their goals. And, and, and we help them. We, we, do, we do something that I think is really important. We help them sort of um, cast out objectives from their goals and to really make their goals achievable by helping them, you know, break it down into measurable, you know, specific attainable parts. And so we really do live that, that mission statement. What about there's there's a membership? How, how does the membership work? Who's eligible for it? Take yeah. us through that process. Well, the tool bank is, you know, we're a nonprofit and we serve community-based organizations. And so we want to make it super easy, super efficient for folks to to get, get on board with us. And, you know, it, we have a membership, but it's free. And yet, you know, in order to get access to our tools, you do need to get a free membership. And, um, you know, it's super simple. You know, you just have to... Um, validate or, or demonstrate that you're, you know, out there to do good. You don't, you can be a 501c3 organization. You can be a, a, you know, a civic group. You can just a group of ragtag volunteers who wants to do a good thing somewhere in the world. You can even be a group of corporate volunteers, but you get, get that membership free on our website and just, um, you know, you can be borrowing tools within 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Get a web, get, get, get a membership. Um, go to our borrow page, um, you know, we have uh, about 10,000 tools that you can choose from and we'll have you ready, ready to go in no time. And then the event space. So so that's just another kind of facet of what you guys do. There's an event space for nonprofit and community groups. Tell us a little bit more about how that works. Well, you know, tools come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? And, um, you know, for some people, it's a rake that makes the difference. And for some people, it's a 30,000 square foot space they can borrow to hold a project or to host a meeting um, that they have to pay very, very little for. And so that's a tool that we offer. And, you know, it's a, we have a we have a 3,000 square foot open open floor um, community space that we do all kinds of stuff with. Sometimes we're building outdoor furniture for community groups. Sometimes we're hosting networking meetings. Sometimes we're hosting youth development um, sessions. Sometimes um, Richmond Area Bicycle Association is building 500 bikes to give away through the Christmas Mother program. Um, so folks can just reach out to us and, and express their interest in using the space and you know, we lend it out for a small fee. It's like 125 bucks for a half a day. And then, of course, you have access to all the tools and equipment that are in the warehouse so that you, know, you don't have to be borrowing or, or renting from retail um, renters that are going to charge more like 30 to 40% of the retail value of something as opposed to our standard 3% retail yeah. or 3% borrowing costs. I love it because everything you're doing is just keeping the money going where the money should go. Yeah, I mean, we really just try to, you know, um, either, either save it right outright so that you can reinvest into that that specific project or day or event or whatever, um, or you know, long term, like um, 
you know, with the former Enrichment Foundation, as it were, you know, we would save their organization, their members, um, you know, $600,000 a year. And, um, you know, they get to, they get to hold that space and time and those resources towards raising a little bit more money to steward that space and try to keep it locked into where it is or return it back to where it's going to be better spent. It's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about building change. So we have two main programs, tool lending program that we just talked about and building change is a program that really was born out of this interest to activate more green, more public spaces and to um, provide more public furniture in parts of um, the city that really just kind of lacked it or has um, aging or degrading public gathering space. And so several years ago, we just started hosting annual corporate team building events where corporate volunteers would come once a year and to help with a project, help with a community placemaking project. And there was such a need for that that we 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 evolved that from a single, you know, one time a year um, corporate team building experience and then opened it up to everybody. So you don't have to be a corporate team member to come in anymore. You can be a community volunteer. You can be a YMCA. You can be a, uh, a youth group. And you can come in and, and use our tools. And we do a little tool training and um, we, we work with individuals of all ages to build all kinds of outdoor furniture, like picnic tables, park benches, garden sets. Um, and then those things get donated out to community groups. And so there's, there's a team building element. There's a, um, a tool training element. Um, and then, of course, you're just, again, reinvesting back into um, the city's um, community infrastructure. So is there anything like this in any other city that you're aware of? You know, I'm not aware of any, anything like our building change program. So, you know, um, there are, there are organizations that do tactical placemaking, um, and do sort of, you know, infrastructure investment in, in, in low resource communities, better block comes to mind. But this model is really unique, and um, and, and it's 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 unique for its goal and its 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 um, sort of structure. But it's also unique because it's really adaptable to to your needs, whoever you the, the participating group is. So I give you a couple examples. This week alone, we've had um, so we're we're in the first week of August, I think, right now, and. This week alone, we've had um, 50 kids, 50 elementary school kids from Second Baptist Church come and build benches for an organization called Sophia Farms Park Benches. So you have these 50 um, elementary school girls learning how to use tools and building um, these things. And then the next day, you have a bunch of adult men from the Rotary Club coming to build picnic tables for an organization that, that they're supporting. Um, and then, and then in the middle of the summer, we work with the mayor's youth academy every year to teach um, mayor's youth academy participants about tools. You know how, how to use the physical tools that we use every day, and then and then sort of um, 
broadening that that lens to show them how that tool can be used in other use cases. So, you know, you've learned how to use an impact driver or or power drill today or or a speed square. And here are five other use cases where you would use a speed square or measuring tape or power drill. And it's not just isolated to this one specific context of building a picnic table. So for anybody who's coming to participate in the building change program, we really try to try to give them the the um, the granular sort of tactical here and now um, purpose of, of what's whole, what's going on, but then broaden that out to like you know the bigger picture of uh, placemaking and how to use tools um, beyond just this this one moment. And so building change is a cool program. There's uh, not nothing no one that I know is doing anything like it and um, I think it's a big difference maker for us. Well, I actually I read an article, I think it was from uh, last year, recent, um, that you guys donated, a, I think it was 150 picnic tables to Richmond El- Elementary Schools. And I thought that was fabulous. What What is the significance in your mind of what that did for those kids? Yeah, we did do that last year. We're doing it again this year for all the middle and high schools. So it's... Um, um, outdoor classrooms for every school initiative and the the, the purpose for that um, the short-term purpose when we started the, the campaign was to alleviate some of the pressure that teachers and students were feeling from being inside constantly masked up and um, yeah. you know bringing that experience outside so it kind of relieved some of the pressure of of covid style classroom um, teaching and learning, but the long-term value there is in place-based learning and outdoor, outdoor education. And, and um, so in, in the elementary schools that we provided outdoor classroom tables, um, immediately when we would drop tables off to places, I mean, there were, there were students just like immediately their class broke from inside. They came outside, Mm -hmm. ripped those masks off and were doing, you know, mindfulness classes and um, they were doing art classes and immediately, you know, taking science class outside and gathering up found objects from the, the schoolyard floor and like building little sculptures on their table. I mean, you don't have to teach a teacher or a kid how to use an outdoor classroom table. They intuit it immediately. And so, um, so we, yeah, we ended up, uh, providing 175 picnic tables as outdoor classroom tables to every elementary school and preschool in Richmond city. And this year, um, we're on a, on a push to serve every middle high school and technical school. So it's like another 170 in the pipeline. Well, I definitely believe in that. I actually went to high school in uh, DC and I went to the school without walls and Mm, the entire premise of that school was to be outside of the classroom and know and realizing that a lot of kids just don't learn well in a classroom. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, I was one of those kids. Yeah. I, I still don't learn very well in in Me either. Me <laughs> I don't know either. if I learn very well, but and just being able to touch, feel, see, um, and have the outdoor air even. <laughs> that's right. Is so great. So that's awesome. So you've been with these guys for a long time. What was it that kind of you know, pulled your heartstrings and made you want to get involved? Well, I kind of come to nonprofit management accidentally, completely accidentally, in fact. Isn't everything um, we end up doing in life that way? Nobody is. Who Who is the person that is doing what they thought they'd do at six? Well, I'm glad I'm not doing the things <laughs> that too. I thought I was going to be too. doing. You know, I'd be an attorney somewhere. I'd be reading contracts and 
pulling my hair out and uh, I wouldn't probably live a very active lifestyle. Um, I'd be a flight attendant and a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think you'd excel at both of those <laughs> Thank things. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I came to nonprofit management. So I came to the tool bank from another nonprofit that I, that I founded while I was in grad school, learning how to be an urban planner or a public administrator and trying to figure out what the heck that looked like. And um, I was in grad school at VCU, and I was working in an after-school garden program um, and started um, thinking about scaling up that program and making it more accessible to more schools um, across the city of Richmond. And we needed to have a business administrative function for that program to really run. And so I started a nonprofit called the Community Food Collaborative, and um, we were able to grow really fast over the course of just a couple of years due to tool bank tools. Um, so I was in grad school, founded this nonprofit, was working at full time, going to grad school full time. And I was facilitating a um, one of the first um, exploratory meetings of the what was then the beautiful RVA um, initiative. And um, a guy I was in grad school with said, you know, there's this there's this program coming to town where they provide the tools, you know, the, you know, I've got a bunch of tools and you can borrow them instead of buying them. And uh, you know, my, I lit up and it was just like, you, yeah, Phil Riggin was his name. Um, and I'm like, Phil, you've got to keep me in the, in the loop here. And so I was as, as Toby Vernon, you know, founder and, and executive director at the community food collaborative, I was the first borrower of tool bank tools. I was the first member agency signed up. I was, uh, you know, I, I don't even know if that email was out for two minutes when I got it and had, had signed up for a membership and was a constant borrower. I mean, I'm not sure if I was borrowing more than just like kind of owning those, <laughs> most of those <laughs> tools. And I worked really closely with the executive director on a, on a lot of things. Um, and, you know, we've, we had a lot of, you know, happy hour. We had a, we had a standing Friday happy hour um, where I would come to the tool bank after, you know, working on a farm all day and we'd, you know, bat around ideas. And he ended up going to tool bank USA. He's now our chief program officer. So Trey Bearden left Richmond tool bank, went to go to tool bank USA as a chief program officer that his job came open and, uh, and it, it felt like a time for me to, to transition to something else. Um, so I, I, I um, ended up applying for and getting that job. And, you know, to me, it made a ton of sense. Um, the mission made a ton of sense, but it also made a ton of sense in my life. It was like, you know, for, I just spent eight years in undergrad and grad school, and I was constantly working with intellectual tools and working with thinking tools and, and design tools. And I was ready to use a lot more physical tools. And, um, Oh, I, I was really excited about the the possibility of of using some of the intellectual tools um, to build a business that you know broadened access to physical tools in a really meaningful way. And so, yeah, it worked out really well, and I'm glad that I made the move. And you know, over the past I guess four years that I've been with Toolbank, we've we've, we've grown tremendously. It seems uh, like it was pretty much fate on this one. I mean, what a... It was a good accident, that's for sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think those things are accidents. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, you know, you're really involved in the community, uh, obviously, with a ton of different businesses and networking. 
what kind of drives you to do what you do every day? How do you keep it going? How do you keep the energy going with what you need to do? Well, I, th- I think the way that I keep it going is that, you know, Richmond is moving forward. Richmond is going forward. And, and, and I love to see that. And it would be really, it, I would, f- I would not feel passionately or I would, and I wouldn't feel energetic about going to work if I showed up and there were roadblocks to progress everywhere. And I, and I know that, you know, you could, get on a high horse and saying a lot of, a lot of negative things about Richmond, but we are a city moving forward. And for me, um, you know, there are people who are investing themselves in, in the city and that's exciting. There are, there are more collaborations and effective, effective coalitions and collaborations I think happening. Um, I think there's more alignment under shared visions and goals and um, that makes collaboration easier, you know, when when we're um, I think that I think that the that the RVA 300 master plan deserved the award that it got. And it really shows how we're moving towards a better um, a, a, a better um, alignment under, you know, the visions, visions and goals and, and objectives that we have. And so uh, for me, it's easy to come to work every day and um meet new nonprofits, meet new private sector folks and help connect those dots. Um, I think I'm pretty good at identifying where the dots are and then drawing lines. Um, sometimes they're linear, sometimes they're very circuitous lines, um, between those dots and, you know, I have a good staff, um, and I have a strong board to work with every day. So it's easy to stay driven. Um, when it feels like the environment around me is positive and uplifting and, um, and feels the same sense of positivity and passion. You could give relationship advice as well. Cause that translates perfectly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> into how a good marriage should thanks. be. Thanks. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, hopefully my partner is listening and feels strongly that, I'm I'm uh, applying all of the good advice and all, all of the wisdom of, of my professional life to my Update personal me on life that at some point. Yeah. Um, so for everybody listening today, um, you know, some may have already been familiar, some may have been learning for the first time what an incredible organization the Richmond Tool Bank is, uh, how you help the community. What are some ways that they can take action and help you guys do what you do? Well, I think that, you know, there are a few key ways. Um, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say you can go to our website at richmondtoolbank.org and and donate cash money. But you can do more than that, too. You really can. You can um, you can you can bring your your group to a building change project and sponsor one of those. You can come to our annual Hammers and Ales event. We just wrapped up in June, so it's second second Saturday of every every June. Um, save the date for next year. You can donate tools. You can um, tell the next person you talk to about Tool Bank and how they can um, advance their own sort of social impact aspirations by getting a membership and borrowing tools from the Tool Bank. You can come and volunteer. Um, we have standing volunteer opportunities every single Wednesday. Um, and of course you can sponsor this fall, um, you can sponsor an outdoor classroom table for a Richmond public school. 
All that information is on our website at richmondtoolbank.org. Um, I could keep talking about ways <laughs> big and small, but um, I think you know it'd be great for folks to really you know visit the website, see what we have going, and then just come and volunteer. Uh, our our biggest sponsors and our biggest supporters started out as a one-time volunteer. Yeah. Well, and I think also just coming down and seeing your facility is a huge first step because it's just hard to, it's hard to imagine it until you see it, the uh, space, the amount of tools, it's just um, really powerful. And there's so many companies now that um, provide to their employees sort of, you know, a certain amount of hours a year that uh, they can they can actually go and volunteer yeah. um, with within the hours that they're working and get paid for it. That's so. right, and you know, in in 2019, our biggest source of volunteer um, service was through corporate volunteers, and that completely inverted. Um, and now our biggest source of volunteers is community volunteers, but corporate volunteerism is coming back and um you know whether you want to spend half a day helping us execute operations at the tool bank you know by picking and pulling tools and helping us manage a warehouse full of 10,000 tools or you know you want to you know um do something really specific um beyond that with us there's an opportunity and and we make we make volunteering fun and um, make you really want to come back, especially this time of year when it's 95 degrees outside and, you know, our our facility is a, a brisk 71 degrees. Yeah, there's and... reason alone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Toby, so much for stopping by. And uh, hopefully everybody will get online, say the address one more time. Yeah. RichmondToolBank.org. And thanks for having me today. I look forward to seeing you at the Tool Bank sometime again soon. Thanks, Toby. Cheers. Thanks for listening to River City Podcasts. If you're interested in setting up a podcast for your business, go to rivercityconsulting.com.